Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Man, We're Too Old for This, here on the Eternal Network. I'm your host, the experience that some call Jason, and with me today is... Uh, the token thief, Tarky. The blurred Don of the Veil, the Todd Father. CDL113, the droid you're looking for. And today we're going to continue our series on the golden age of the MCU. Uh, this is our part three of... Did we figure out last time that it was probably going to be four-parter? Yeah, problem. Problem. I'd say. Part three, damn it. But yes, this is definitely part three of some number. So picking up where we left off, I think we ended with Ant-Man last time. So we'll be picking up today with Captain America Civil War and going as far as we can get in, you know, 30-ish minutes. All right, Todd, what was your favorite part in uh, Civil War? The introduction of Black Panther. That's easy. That's super easy. That was... That was the, that was the me and Travis squee moment. Now I assume you mean the hard introduction, not the soft introduction. No, I mean when he's standing there at the UN and he's with his back to the camera when he turns, where you get that little side shot of him. Yeah, that's when Travis and I both went wee black. Okay, well that's a hard reveal. You physically saw the character because the uh, uh, the funny thing is. Either the second or third time we saw it, there was a uh, there was an older white couple in front of us, and we went squee Black Panther like completely fucked up the movie for him. Because <laughs> when Black Panther shows up in the costume and you know the big reveals, he takes the helmet off. You know they kind of look back at us like, I was like, fuck you, hell you, <laughs> fuck are you old enough to hell being grown when the motherfucker actually. You know, appeared in comics. Fuck out of here. And then me and Travis very kind of looked at each other. Holy shit. There was somebody in here was actually, that was supposed to be a surprise? You probably got that from several of your kind of casual fans. You know, like, uh, was it you that had the, uh, oh, it was one of the, one of, somebody in kind of our crew that in Winter Soldier had the, had the woman they could hear, the woman was surprised when, when Winter Soldier pulls the mask off and it's Bucky. Yeah, I, you know. the, the the difference is Bucky was a newer character. So, there, you know, by that point, Black Panther was, what, 40, 50 years old? Well, it was 40-some years old, and they'd literally gone everywhere going. Chadwick Boseman got cast as Black Panther, so, you know, you, you had to be under a rock. Well, I'm going to, well, actually, and... and, and mentioned that Bucky is an older character, but the Winter Soldier was something you were. Yeah, but the trick is, he had he had been Winter Soldier a decade. No, no. All right, Danny, what about you? For me, one of my favorite parts is when Cap and Bucky and Falcon are kind of on the run, and they're in the car, and he's like, are you going to scoot the seat up? No. Yeah, and it was just that that cold, you know, fuck you kind of moment between the two of them, and you know it's like, can okay, you, can you scoot up your seat? No, that that cracked me up, and then the the fanboy moment that uh, you get with Ant Man with them. Oh, I know you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I know you too. You're great. Yeah, yeah, because he was he was obviously here at Worshipman Cap. I'm shaking your head way too long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least he admits to it. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, he, it's like he realized he was being a little weird. <clears throat> what about you, Taylor? So I thought I was going to steal Todd's because I forgot that Black Panther was introduced in this film for a moment because of how much more important the actual Black Panther film is. Also, because this movie was oddly forgettable for me. Really? Like, I, the only things I remember are the fights. I don't remember any plot points, really. Like, I don't really remember the plot points being important. It was just a transport for heroes to have emotions in, from point A to point B. But mostly I remember just, like, the big fight scene of them in the airport. What no, I take it? that back. most memorable for me is Hawkeye beating Vision for exactly 15 seconds. That's kind of the laughable part is he knows he can beat a computer for exactly 15 and a half seconds. And then he does it. And he goes, all right, I've done all I can do. I've done all that I possibly thought I could do. Because it just keeps, keeps showing you that Hawkeye is the single most impressive unsuperpowered human. It's just he's in a world full of superpowered people. So they're going to outmatch him. Because, you know, they, they've never really copped to the fact that there's something wonky with Black Widow. The Red Room taught them to be assassins and ballet, but they don't really kind of do the thing like they've done in both the 616 and the Ultimates where they suggest she's been juiced. Because in the book, she's been juiced. Yeah. Well, she was a kid in World War II. She'd have to have been to still be running around modern day. But, but you know, that was, that was a big reveal, though. That was actually the reveal of that that issue was, yeah, she was a kid in World War II. She had run into Cap pre-ice. Though I think the current writers are saying the reason why she's like that is she's a clone. He, you know, one gets killed and they just pop out another one. That's honestly a little less interesting. Yeah. I think you, my man? most uh, memorable moment in Civil War, there's two that come to mind. The big fight at the airport, which Taylor had started to mention. Just because that's what I'd been wanting to see in one of these movies was a super team versus a super team. I would have preferred a team of heroes versus a team of villains. Yeah. But apparently Marvel's just flat out not going to give you that. Ever. But but there's that, and the scene, it's while Cap and Bucky and Iron Man are fighting or getting ready to fight, uh, when Black Panther comes up on Zemo. And, you know, the the whole Zemo is sitting there, you know, and apologizes. I'm, I'm sorry about your father. He, he seemed like a good man, you know, with a dutiful son. It's it's a moment that makes it's a moment that makes him feel like he's not Zemo, but I liked him kind of as his own character at that point. Yeah, Zemo, MCU Zemo has yet to feel like Zemo in any way, shape, form, or fashion. Even when they give him the let him wear the sock mask in. Falcon and the Winter Soldier, it doesn't make a difference because the character up under the mask is still not Zemo. Zemo yeah, I like him. I just like him as his own guy. The fucking Nazi. Yeah. Not just some random Eastern European nobility. With a point. You know, that's another one of those where, you know, he's the villain and the shit that he did is evil as fuck, but he still kind of got a... You could see him being driven mad and kind of having a point. Mm-hmm. Marvel he's sympathetic, is, where, where Zemo should not be sympathetic, because yeah, he's an effing Nazi. Yeah. yeah. Zemo, the Skull, uh, Zola, all fucking Nazis, you know, it, it, that kind of, let's make them cute, lovable, and kind of funny, and let's have Zemo dancing at the fucking club. Yeah. No. The dude is a Nazi. <laughs> he works best that way. The only thing they kept right was the, the fact that he came up with an intricate plot to take the Avengers out. 
Yeah, I thought they did a very good job of presenting him as a mastermind. Yeah. Because I do like the line where, you know, uh, oh, hell, uh, Ross is basically going, you know, how does it feel to go through all this and to fail so spectacularly? And he's like, did I? Because <laughs> he really didn't. He did more damage to the Avengers than any damn body that came before him. Yep. And truthfully, up to this point, they're still not, the team is still not back together. Nope. You know, they put they put their businesses aside when Thanos showed up because that was just survival of the species. But, but, uh, but yeah, you don't you don't have a functioning team of Avengers anymore. But rolling out of Civil War, where we spend the entire cast just talking about it. Next up was Doctor Strange. Uh, Danny, what do you think of Doctor Strange? I enjoyed the movie as a whole. Um, the the. Inside joke that cracked me up was when, you know, Strange finally shows up, has his interview with the Ancient One, and, um, oh, I can see the character, can't think of his name. Wong? Not Wong, what's the other one? Oh, uh, Mordo. Mordo. When Mordo's showing him around and he hands him a piece of paper, and Strange is like, what's this? Oh, it's the Wi-Fi password. Well, it had Shambhala on it. And he's yeah. like, what's this? Some kind of spell? He's like, it's the Wi-Fi password. Some kind of mantra. Yeah. We're not savages. That that cracked me up because, you know, it's not something that I was expecting. You know, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Different. I, I liked that. And I liked how they showed Strange's, you know, photographic memory that he like, he reads it. It's in there because, you know, that's something that you get from the book. So those were the two things that I took away from the movie that kind of tickled me. That were kind of little details. Yeah. What about you, Tyler? Honestly, I'm not. Okay, moment, the most memorable is my favorite time shenanigan, which is I'm going to do this over and over again until it falls in my favor. You might as well get bored of killing me. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Which is one of my favorite tropes. Because, like, Groundhog's Day is a movie that I I just enjoy the idea of it for some reason. So him constantly coming down, I'm here to barter, slap. I'm here to barter, slap. I'm here to barter, slap. And you can hear the frustration I like building. Dor- I did like Dormammu realizing, what the hell are you doing to me? Yep. Yeah. Uh, for me, oh, let's see. I'm trying to think of, like, like a little, a little something that I like. I like the visuals. Because, you know, the original, original Doctor Strange was all, like, 60s, 70s, psychedelic. And you kind of get that vibe from this, but it's kind of its own thing. You know, with the city shifting and the kind of mirrored stuff, and, you know. I liked that the magic looked weird. I didn't like that they were basically kung fu fighting. Yeah, I didn't care for that either. You know, when you see, when you see Strange running around uh, in Infinity War and Endgame, that- he feels more like Doctor Strange as far as his combat style. Yeah, yeah. I think he's still yet to use a blast. Yeah. Yeah, they just don't seem to like those, Iron. Only Iron Man gets to have. I'm trying to remember if Captain Marvel used one in her movie. Well, she hit you with bolts of awesomeness. Oh, fair enough. So what was your favorite part of Doctor Strange then, Todd? Uh, the acid trip. You know, when uh, the Ancient One pokes him on the head, basically sends him into all the realities, and his fingers are growing hands out of each finger and all that. Yeah. I like the acid trip. I remember sitting there going, man, I bet you Danny can't watch this for shit. If I, 
I may have, I may have actually said that to Jason. Hey, Jason, I bet your daddy ain't gonna be able to watch this for shit. That was after you told me about that. That was one of my concerns. But when we watched it here at the house, I, I didn't see it at the, at the theater. We watched it here at the house, and we made sure we had every light on in the living room so that it wasn't, you know, yeah. like too yeah. much and blinky. And you know, there were times when I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna." Close my eyes. Let me know what happened in the movie. But as a whole, watching it at home, we watched it during the daytime, you know, when there was plenty of light. It didn't trip me out. But I was like, yeah, if I'd went to the theater, I think I'd been in the middle of the, middle of the movie as a seizure. It was like, yep, that was that was my first thought watching. I'm sitting there, man, they ain't going to be watching. They ain't going to be watching this shit at all. Which is like on to Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. We didn't hear yours. Yes, it did. We talked about it like usual. Oh, okay, that's right. Uh, so, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two. Uh, let's see. I think I'll kick this one off. And it's it's a little something, but I was so delighted when I saw it. Is when you actually see the planet with Ego's face on it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't do it enough, but at least it was there. Because I was I was concerned about how they were going to do Ego. What about you, uh, eh, Todd? Uh, my favorite part of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is the beginning. You know, when they're fighting the big monster and you got Baby Groot dancing around to the music? Uh-huh. Yeah, that's my favorite Mr. part. Mr. Blue Sky. The only Electric Light Orchestra song they ever want to play on movies. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed that, you know, I enjoy him basically having a war with the little lizard and, like, eating the fly and Rocket coming over there. Spit that out! So, you know. I am not the biggest fan of the Guardians movies, to tell the truth. I tend to like Rocket. It almost sounds like you would watch a show of them parenting a baby Groot. Truthfully, I would. I like, like I said, I like Rocket. Rocket's the only, Rocket is the only character in that series that I really kind of like. That was the reason why when he was basically the only true Guardian to survive the snap, yeah, I didn't mind it because that was the one I liked. But yeah, him him parenting baby Groot's funny. Dan? All right, Danny, what about you? Mine would have to be uh, Yondu. You know, when you see him just truly cut loose on the Ravager ship, when he, you know, he's taking people out through the doors, through walls, you know, t- 20, you know, feet away, just, you know, walking through the, the ship whistling, and that arrow's just killing folks left and right. That just cracked me up because it's like, yeah, that that's pretty tight. Everybody except the just about everybody except the director's brother. Yep, the director's brother. You know the guy that stays loyal to Yondu. Oh, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. the director's brother. I'm blanking on his name, but uh, what about you? Uh, I haven't asked Taylor yet, have I? No. Man, I was going to let it else. go just so I could make fun of you for blanking on my name. No, it wasn't your name I was blanking on. It was the, have I asked you yet or not? Hmm. All right, Tyler, what was your favorite part? Honestly, it was going to be the Yondu with the arrow scene because I, I just like the, I, lo- I like creative uses of songs behind actions, and it was just very colorful and nice to look at, and was just a nice thing of just comeuppance all around. But outside of that, I enjoy the fact that James Gunn does something that I'm going to talk about two movies from now where he's he plays the same song twice. 
but he makes it mean different things. He did do a good job with uh, selecting music for certain areas. Yeah, because he had uh, Never Break the Chain play twice in the movie. Once as they were separating, and then he has it play again when they re, you know, when they're reuniting to handle their issues. And I like that because I don't want people to be, I don't want directors to be afraid to play the same song twice if it fits. And outside of like a big scene, that sticks in memory because it's done very, very rarely in movies. And also, James Gunn was so specific about the soundtrack and the the songs on it that it's something that sticks with me in this movie. Yeah, I like the soundtracks in both his Guardians movies. But all right, so moving on from Guardians, we have Spider-Man: Homecoming. Danny, what was your what was the most memorable thing about Spider-Man to you? When he gets locked in that warehouse and he's going, he's talking with the AI, uh, the female AI, and he's sitting there experimenting with all the different crap he can do. And then it's like 15 minutes later, it's like, you went through all that. If, and he's sitting there talking to it like a therapist, you know, that just tickled me. Okay, Tyler? Honestly... I didn't like it, but the most memorable memorable scene for me is definitely the boat. Where like half and he's holding it together. Yeah, he's trying to hold it together, and he fails. And Iron Man swoops in, saves the day, and it's just like, hey, it's memorable for me, but I hate it because Iron Man is explicitly stating like, I want you to be the Nate friendly neighborhood Spider Man. It's like, hey, then you tell him about your secret super powered sting operation. So that he's not there, or at least you know if he is there. Instead, you're gonna th- go, oh yeah, the only superpowered person I know in the area clearly isn't gonna come for a boat being attacked for super tech. Clearly, that's not gonna. I just, it was just bothersome that between two super geniuses, they couldn't think. Just the miscommunication there. I'm just like, I hate this because it was a scene that's supposed to show you like. To make Superman, er, Superman, to make Spider-Man think, oh, I can't do this all on my own. But it's like, no, it's showing that your your person you're trusting to teach you is shit at their job, and that you should just abandon Iron Man because he's worthless to you. He's not helpful. But instead, they take it the other direction and go, oh yes, the abusive father figure, not abusive, but the neglectful father figure. I should totally just dive in further and love him more. Nope, you've really missed the point in this section, guys. And I hate it. Alright, who wants to go next? I guess I'll go. My favorite, favorite scene, I can't really do because Spider-Man's not in it. Because it's really just one line. I like I like Peter and Ned at the party when they run into Michelle and she comes up to him and is like, you know, what you two do what are you doing at this, you know, this lame ass party? They're like, but you're here, and she looks at him and goes, am I? And walks off. That's my favorite scene of the movie. But, uh, I guess my my favorite with Spidey actually in it is him dealing with Aaron Davis, Miles' uncle, in the parking garage. Ah, yes. With the, where he's got the intimidation mode, so he's, he sounds all butch, and he's like, yeah, I heard your voice last night, I know what a girl sounds like. It's a girl! I'm a boy! I mean a man! That scene is funny as shit. And it's one of the rare times that Spider-Man is... Well, he's funny, but he's still not funny right because he's not 
he's the butt of the joke. He's not the one doing the quipping. Yeah. But at least that's a that is a scene with Spider Man in it where I actually laughed. Is that the one where he webs the guy's hands to the car? He, like he pops his hands, he webs his hand to the car, and he's, you know, going to intimidate him and interrogate him. And he's like, yeah, I heard you last night. I know what a girl sounds like. I'm not a girl. I'm a boy. I mean a man. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when he agrees to help, he goes to run off. He's like, hey, I haven't told you where they're going to be yet. You know, if you're going to do this job, you really got to learn to be better at this part of the job. Oh, yeah, yeah, really? <laughs> Hey, get this off me. You're uh, in about a couple hours. What? No, no, I got ice cream. Uh, you're a criminal. That's the least you deserve, Mr. Criminal. I think what I remember most about the movie, kind of with the exception of that one scene we just talked about, is how unfunny he was to the whole thing, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. he's not... He's he's yeah. not even as, as entertaining, as spidey as he was in Civil War. And that, and that's what bothered me so much about it, is coming off of Civil War, it's like, okay, I, I, you know... I don't like them making him a teenager again, but, you know, that just seems to be Marvel's thing. But, uh, but you know, he did some quipping, you know, he was hyperverbals all get out in Civil War, and then you hit the actual Spider-Man movies. Yeah, like, the Spider-Sense in Civil yeah, War. Yeah, I mean, it's, I prefer him in the movies that aren't Spider-Man movies when he's, you know, in Civil War, in the Avenger movies. So I guess my disappointment in Homecoming is really what I remember the most about it, which is, you know, kind of sad. Your biggest disappointment in the Spider-Man films is John Watts' version of Spider-Man. Apparently. I think Tony hit the nail on the head on that one. He walked out and said, yeah, that said it was Marvel Studios, but it still felt really Sony. Yeah, I can see that. All right, what's next on the... Thor Ragnarok. Yep, Thor Ragnarok. And it has just the... It has the opposite problem of Spider. In a lot of ways. Uh... And I'm sure we'll get into that. But favorite moments. Todd, go. Uh, favorite moment of Ragnarok is probably when you meet Korg. Either that or Thor getting his hair cut. It just ain't a hell of a lot of, you know, it's, you ha- almost have to pick something goofball shit. So, yeah, Korg, hello, my name is Korg. As you can see, I'm made of rock. Not to worry. This shit happened to be made of scissors. A little joke there. Yeah. Yeah, and then his, of, then his initial like, plan flubbed because he didn't have uh, paper. Yep, <laughs> I did like how they worked all that little little thing. Yeah. Right. Oh, Meek, he's dead. Accidentally stepped on. Oh, look, he's alive. <laughs> all right, Danny, what about you? Uh, the uh, gladiatorial fight. You know when you know Thor gets shoved in there and he's like, "What the heck's going on?" And they've got kind of a. Thor-based motif outfit on him, you know, with the, with the wings on the helmet. And he's like, what the hell? And then he, you know, the Hulk comes in. Hey, friends from work! You know, and then gets his ass handed to him. <laughs> that just tickled me, because I was like... Little kid gave him that line. I can't remember if it was a Make-A-Wish kid, or... Some, it was some child that actually gave him that, oh, he's my friend, oh, he's my friend from work line. Yeah. That wasn't the script. That was some child, basically, gave him that one. Well, that, that makes it even better because it just that he's got that happy look like, hey, it's, it's such and such. We're friends from work. And then all of a sudden, bam, holy crap. I like Loki in the stands in that one. Yeah. Yes, that's what that feels like. Well, that's the fun thing. Another fun thing with that is Loki is terribly afraid of the Hulk. 
But then yeah. Bruce Banner is terribly afraid of Loki. Yeah. Yeah. Jason, how about you? Uh, probably just some of the fights. There, there wasn't a whole lot else that I cared for in there. I mean, there were plenty. There were plenty of funny lines and stuff. But it's a story about you know, you, the main character's dad dies, his homeland's destroyed. It should be a heavy story, and they just keep pouring goofball stuff in there at inappropriate moments. Yeah. That was that was our complaint with it because every time it looked like they were gonna let you feel a little weight, they they yuck it up. You know, yeah. he lost his dad, all three of his best friends, who they don't even really even comment on that. Yeah, part. they don't even comment on them. Uh, his home world, and it's you know it's all kind of just played for yucks. Yeah, I mean, I didn't like their version of uh, I liked how their version of Hella looked. I like how the version of Serto looked. I never thought I would go to a Marvel movie and actually see Serto. Yeah, and I did like Serto. The, the part about Hella that disappointed me was they didn't have half of her face dead looking. Well, hell, they made a Odin's kid too. There was a whole there's a there's a yeah. whole hell of a lot wrong with Hella. Yeah, yeah. And when you see, and even in the comics, yeah, she doesn't look half dead when she's got her cloak and stuff. Yeah, you take that away from her is when it you know starts bothering her. All right, uh, I think we're on Taylor now. Yep. Yep. And congratulations, we're two movies down. And what reminded me was this, the reason this is the most memorable is because James Gunn ran so Taika Waititi could walk. Because he does the exact same thing of playing the same song twice, except it's both for the same style of scene, which is to initiate a hype fight. Yep. Yeah, he does. Which song is it that he uses? Ah, uh, oh. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, crap. I can't think of the name now. But it's not. Is it? It's not the foreigners' song, is it? That's not right. It's the one they use in one of the Shrek movies too, where they're yeah. singing about Valhalla and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's the song that he uses at the very beginning when he fights when he's in Mesbelheim, and then he does the same thing when he basically becomes the god of lightning. Yeah, when they're on the Rainbow Bridge about yeah. to start the fight. Yeah. Because yeah. that hit me and I went, hey, yeah, good. Two of the same song, because it fits the moment. But also, it's just not as creative as the time we did it two movies ago, which was in the same year. Yeah. kind of It's kind of neat that all that power that he gained there, yeah, went away by the next time you saw him. Look, I'm the god of lightning. I can do all this without the hammer. Next time you see me, I'm Thanos' bitch. I need to to go build an axe. To be fair, though, he he did deserve to be that power, or he, as a character, should have been that powerful. Yeah. Yeah, when when Odin dies and you see his hands crackling, I'm like, are they really going to let him have the Odin force up in this joint? But that movie... (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> and he never has it again. All right, is there anybody else got anything on Thor Ragnarok? Nah, I liked it more than all of you did. Yeah, probably. All right then, let's see what time are we at. Next one, Pro- is... probably time for part four. Yeah. Yep, I think we want to wrap her here because I figure the next movie up is Black Panther, and I figure we're gonna be talking about that one for a minute. No, next one. No, the next one. No, the next one's Black Panther. Black Panther came out. After Ragnarok, before Infinity War, your yeah, list is fucked yeah. up. Uh, the list I'm looking at says Thor, Ragnarok, Black Panther, Infinity War. Yeah, I don't know what Danny's got pulled up. Yeah. 
Well, the one that he's looking at, because I was literally just sitting there going, man, that list is wrong. So anyway, for any of y'all out there, if, if there's some great scene that we missed or that you think we should have brought up, or if you disagree with us on the movies we didn't like, or didn't like as much, uh, feel free to let us know. You can reach us at uh, thenerdeternal at gmail.com. You can leave a comment below. Uh, the website, it may still be up by the time this one gets posted, but the, the site will be coming down soon. We're just going to focus on the uh, YouTube channel and the Facebook page. But anyway, we'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to support the show, like, subscribe, uh, tell your friends about us. You know, the whole, the, the usual, usual stuff. Uh, so until next week, I've been your host, the experience of some called Jason, and with me today has been... The Token Millennial, Tarky. Godfather, CDL113. And we will see y'all next week.